0: because we missed you. It's season two of Big Nerdy Questions! Woo! Party! Yeah! And in this episode, we've got Matt, of course, welcome back, Matt. Yay. Is it safe? It might be, but I'll have to put the lotion in the basket for Josh P, now known as JP, in the house.
1: (laughs) Yes, and the uh, the biggest thing that I learned from Season 1 was that I actually attracted fans to the show, so I would like to say thank you to both of you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there's no coincidence that those people are also massive Spongebob fans, am I right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and joining us for the first time since Harry Potter, uh, now a regular panelist, I am pleased to introduce as a regular b and for the first time, Callie. Welcome back to B&Q.
2: Thanks, guys. I feel like I'm leveling up.
0: do 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 XP. Plus yes. 50. But it's a mono drain. Ooh. Oh. Wah, wah. Just equip the vampirism rune, you'll be fine. Got it. Matt, do we still have sponsors in Season 2?
3: As a matter of fact, we do, Josh. Today's episode is brought to you by Recycled Topics. Recycled Topics. Reduce. Reuse. Re-air.
0: Huzzah! Mm-hmm. And why is our topic recycled? Well, we decided that we were gonna revisit our very first topic. If you listened to the pilot and got through it with our audio quality as it was back then, thank you, first of all. Uh, But you know that our pilot was on fictional universes that you would like to live in. And tonight, we're going to be looking at eight more fictional universes that you might wanna live in or might not, depending on the discussion. But before we get into our detailed dives into the universes, we do have a nerdy recommendation. And as is fitting after a break, I wanted to bring in my bread and butter for recommendations, a nice uh, bit of print science fiction. And I'm going to recommend the book Eon by Greg Bear. And I thought it was a fitting recommendation for this episode because it introduces such an amazing uh, fictional universe all on its own. Uh, Eon was published in 1985, Uh, And you might have heard Greg Bear uh, of Greg Bear. He's quite a prolific science fiction author. But this book, which is set in 2005, and that's probably the most far-fetched part of it, was the theory that we would have a fully fledged space program in 2005. Uber finds an asteroid that has a mysterious secret inside it. I don't want to say too much. Uh, But the Chinese Space Agency and NASA are fighting over custody of the Discovery. And I say custody as in the rights to explore it. It's not a being. It's much bigger than that. This book was nominated for an Arthur C. Clarke Award in 1987 for its imaginative use of an alternate reality. I don't want to give away too much, but "Eon" in this title refers to the vastness of a civilization essentially hidden inside this asteroid that is accessible through a an immense singularity that literally takes an eon to fly through. The worlds that this book takes the reader to are simultaneously staggering and fascinating, if that's a good combination. Uh, I really thought of this book as a spiritual sequel to Rendezvous with Rama and the Rama series by Arthur C. Clarke. So if you like hard sci-fi with a lot of discovery and curiosity, I would encourage you to check out Eon uh, by Greg Baer. So that is our recommendation for this episode. We'll have more recommendations, of course, uh, this year. And we are starting for season two. uh, The Mondays after our release, so we release on Thursdays. On the Monday, we will, on our Twitter account, do a tweet dedicated to our big nerdy recommendation uh, so that all of our 2,500 followers on Twitter uh, will be able to... Get the recommendations from us directly instead of looking in the show notes. So, and by the way, thank you to everyone who's been listening to B during our hiatus. Uh, we've we've been averaging over one hundred hits a day on our feed, even during our, hi- our hiatus. Uh, we are now at over five hundred downloads through Podbean alone. We're at over three thousand five hundred hits on our streams. Uh, in total, and we just this past week in, in March had our first confirmed download from South Africa. We have now Woo! been downloaded on five of the seven continents. The only continents we haven't been downloaded yet on, on yet are Antarctica, which is probably going to be difficult, and South America. So if you are in Brazil or Argentina or know someone who is in those countries or the other South American countries, please encourage them to download an episode. I want to fill in that map.
2: Looking at you, Bolivia.
0: I mean, you're the highest capital on Earth. You can do this, La Paz.
2: Let's just do an episode in Spanish.
0: Uh, okay. Um. Hola. Uh, esta bien cue. It's uh, cool. It's, it's cool. It's cue, yeah. Uh, just be desolé. See, I speak French. Sorry, listeners. Uh, but there is French Guiana on South America, so that might work. Anyway, back to the topic at hand, which is fictional universes you might want to live in. And if you haven't listened to our pilot, the universes that we covered in our first go-around were, in no particular order, The Federation from Star Trek, Star Wars in the original trilogy, The Mushroom Kingdom from Super Mario Brothers, Game of Thrones, Outlander, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's what we covered in the first go-around. Oh, and Harry Potter. We also covered Harry Potter as well, living life in Hogwarts. So that was our first go-around in this topic, and... This time we're going to cover a little bit of additional things. Uh, one quick note, we did have a, some feedback last year where someone said that we want they wanted us to talk about Babylon 5 In this kind of topic. That's not going to happen in this episode because our B&Q expert on Babylon 5 is Colleen, who couldn't be in this episode. But when we revisit this topic again, which I'm sure we will, Babylon 5 will come up. So if you're that listener who was asking about Babylon 5, You'll be sad now, but please hold faith, just like you did in the quality of your favorite show. So, uh, I believe that we are going to let JP officially kick off Season 2. What is your first offering for a fictional universe that life in might be interesting?
1: Oh, Would you like me to give it to you in English or Spanish?
0: Either one. No hablo. No, <laughs> hablo.
1: no hablo. No
0: <laughs> hablo. Por favor. Por favor. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, so the first one that I'm going to bring up is a fun one to me, one of of my favorite cartoons of all time. Uh, We're going to talk about living in New New York in Futurama for a little bit. (laughs) Yes, uh, the the fact that Zoidberg exists is definitely a drawback. Um, (laughs) Why not Zoidberg? Right?
3: (laughs) All you have to do is find him a dumpster free of raccoons, and you're fine.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, trash pandas. But look, looking at a few other possible drawbacks, uh, there, while there is world peace seemingly in Futurama, which is definitely a very good thing, um, we do seem to be living in the, the constant threat of alien invasion, especially from our dear friends at Omicron Persei 8, for example. Um, the, uh, the package delivery industry is pretty incompetent. It's run by a 160-year-old man. Who uh, I think might be a little crazy, and the the biggest drawback of all is that Richard Nixon is president again.
0: Oh Lord!
1: <laughs> <laughs> not not that that's necessarily a bad thing. Don't waste to offend anybody who appreciated him as president the first time around, but he does become quite the evil dictator in uh, in the year three thousand. So try to. And
0: it's just his head, right?
1: It's just his head. See, no, no body can serve for more than eight years, but they didn't say anything about his head on a robot body. <laughs> what? But some of the more enjoyable aspects of being in the Futurama universe, a.k.a. New New York, is uh, very lifelike robots that you can actually make friends with. They seem to have legitimate consciousness, which is kind of cool because, I mean, Bender's awesome. The, the fact that you can get anywhere you need to go through high-speed pneumatic tubes is pretty cool, too. And space travel is so simplified that you can go anywhere in the known galaxy. Plus, there's an amusement park on the moon. So, I'd like to hear uh, what other people have to say if about If I were going sure. to
0: an amusement park on the moon, I would put the crisscross track Jump Jump on constant play. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, uh, uh, as long as it's not the amusement park on the moon that's also there in uh, Doctor Who.
0: Oh, hell no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. So one thing I was thinking of with New New York when you mentioned alien invasions, my first thought went to our, our loving friend Santa Claus absolutely he he is a threat in this universe if I'm not mistaken
1: As I, I believe in in the year three thousand uh, not only do they stop calling it Christmas period and start calling it Xmas but uh, instead of saying seasons greetings, you say seasons warnings <laughs>
0: So if you're a fan of, of uh, Yuletide Joy, that this might not be the universe for you. Absolutely not.
2: I don't know. You, there, there's two things that actually you just said that reminded me of Doctor Who. So the new New York reminds me of New Earth. And then Robot Santa, there's an episode with Peter Capaldi who there's like a Santa Claus that's gone rogue. He's kind of evil and kind of not. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting to hear or to see that some of the things in Futurama kind of line up with some of the things in, in Doctor Who. So and The, I'm, the, the I'm, crazy I'm, part
3: is Futurama did them, did them first. Yeah, right.
2: I'm did. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep listening to what you're saying every time I, I hear a Doctor Who reference. I'm going to point it out.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, I know Matt Greenig to go meta a minute, he loves other science fictions. And I know like he does homages to classic sci-fi and Futurama all the time. Or oh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also know that Stephen Moffat is a fan of other science fiction series, I wouldn't put it past him to throw in a subtle Futurama reference or at the very least a Simpsons reference in Doctor Who. I'm pretty sure he's done a Simpsons reference in Sherlock, uh, so I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, I know a lot of writers really hold the Simpsons and Futurama in the highest of regards in terms yeah. of what they pioneered for television. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Right. Yeah, And I so, just checked,
2: there's new, 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 new York because it was rebuilt 15 times in Doctor Who.
0: Isn't that the city where the cats are the nurses? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Of course it is. is. Which actually would belong in Futurama, (laughs) ironically enough. Yeah. One of the things that I always found most interesting about the Futurama universe, and maybe, JP, you know a little more about it than I do, because, I mean, I've watched most of Futurama, but it's been a while. The idea that you can go to a phone booth that actually is a suicide booth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is that enjoyable? Well, I'm not, I'm not saying it's enjoyable. It's thought-provoking. Because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, hell, that's a horrible thing. And then you think about it, and you're like, well, Isn't maybe that- you, you're allowed to end your life on your own terms if if you're not you know, crazy. But, of course, most people in this universe are certifiably insane. True. But it is an interesting thought that, that death itself is no longer like a big taboo thing. It's like, oh, okay. He's going to the suicide booth tomorrow, and then we're going to go get some uh, some pizza down at the robot shop or something like that. It's an interesting...
1: I, I did like the scene in the first episode where Fry goes into it thinking it was just a phone booth. <laughs> and it, it straight up asked him how he wanted to die, and he responded by saying he'd like to make a collect call. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For those of our listeners who've never heard of a collect call, it's where you used to go to a phone that you didn't own and put in a small round thing called a coin and you would get to uh, dial somebody and pay or you would have them pay for it if you didn't have that coin in your pocket. It's like when you go on a fetch quest in The Witcher or Skyrim and you don't have the thing you actually need but you find someone to broker it for you. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah, the comedian Carrot Top used to do commercials for uh, for collect calls and that was sadly the highest part of his career.
0: Ooh. Or was that was that the same time period as everybody was dialing those ten ten numbers that, to get them discounts on long distance rates? Yes, like
2: yeah,
3: 10, yeah. ten ten uh, nine
0: twenty. I think that was one of them. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, that was one eight hundred collect. Yes. Yep. And of course, dialing Miss Cleo for your free reading.
2: Calling <laughs> <you> me now.
1: <laughs> she she died in the past year, actually.
2: Oh,
0: R.I.P. Yeah. Oh. Miss Cleo.
2: Way to bring it down. Sorry. She probably didn't see it coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! I have to say school. we are <laughs> savage AF in season two.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So, do you would you want to live in Futurama world, JP?
1: I absolutely would. It seems like it would be so much fun. I,
2: I like the idea that they got cryogenesis under wraps. You know, you could <laughs> you could preserve yourself for a bit, come back later, particularly during this. This election period it would be nice to feed <laughs> yourself and come back in in four years
0: i, I Maybe would come eight. back in 400 perhaps <laughs> Let's see see the what like. <laughs> yeah uh,
3: I, I have to admit that i am interested in how high they've gotten human longevity in that continuity i mean yeah. there, there's people still working in their 160s i don't think i would want to be working still when i'm 160 years old but the fact that there's people who are still healthy enough to work at 160
1: well they have a a a retirement community planet out there in the galaxy where you're um all all 160 year olds are required to go to
0: logan's run but a lot later (laughs) yeah and not quite as vicious the name, the name of, of that particular
1: retirement community escapes me, but that is where everyone is required to go when they hit 160. They, they come for you.
0: <laughs> I remember that episode. Yeah. But somehow Farnsworth got out of it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I'm not dead they, yet. Uh,
1: I, th- I think they euthanized him, as I really believe the term was. <laughs> <It's like laughs> euthanized.
0: Have you seen that? Uh, it goes around on BuzzFeed from time to time. There was a guy in a high school class who was assigned to do a report on the euthanasia crisis, and instead of doing it on suicide, he heard the, he heard it as youth in Asia.
1: Yes, <laughs> I've, did I've a seen, report seen pictures of On starving of that.
0: children in Bhutan.
1: I hope he still got a good grade for it.
0: I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what problems when you when you don't actually write out the assignment when it's just said orally.
3: Well, I'm just happy that that someone wrote something about Bhutan. I mean, how often does anybody actually study that country?
0: I believe that Cali, but you said you had a location that would involve a little bit of a playing around. What was that you're talking about?
2: Yeah, you need some weapons too. So, um, inspired by my recent obsession with with Zelda, um, because I accidentally got my Switch four weeks early. Um, what? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, um, I, I thought it'd be really cool to live in Hyrule. So, you know, as a kid, I played I played Ocarina of Time. That was probably the, the game I got addicted to first that I remember getting so involved in, going through walkthroughs, trying to find every little thing. When I figured out I was a, a collector gamer, I had to find all the pieces, um, just exploring the, the world, being able to get your own pony, um, playing the Ocarina and learning different um different songs, having treasure everywhere. It just seems like, minus the whole Ganon thing, it just seems like a great place to live, explore. You, people want to train you. It's just, I don't know, It's just a great environment for me. If I could live in a game universe, it would probably be Hyrule. If, if you, since we're taking Hogwarts off the table, of course. I guess my only downsides, really, of Hyrule is, you know, Ganon always comes back at some point, but you can kind of delay his return by just running around and, and collecting rupees. And then, of course, you never want to be out at night because you have the skull creatures that usually pop up and try to kill you. But also, I'm basing most of this on on Ocarina of Time and Breath of the Wild. It's a little different in in Skyward Sword and and um, Twilight Princess. But those two are the two most prominent games that have a lot of similarities in their in their play that I'm into right now.
3: I, I would honestly be a bit concerned about the uh, the rampant. Robbery and vandalism and use of explosives by uh, by half mute children dressed in green, <laughs> just rampaging yeah. through the kingdom. I mean, it seems to be a rampant
0: thing in Hyrule.
2: Well, I mean, if you just stick your cuckoos <laughs> on them, you should be fine.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. You have. Dark, I recently replayed chains. part of A Link to the Past, and I feel like if you own pottery in this world, you're screwed. Right. Yes. You could, you know, or he could be, if you're you could potter, be a potter. You would make a ton of money. Exactly. I wonder if there's a potter named Harry in Hyrule. Because if could so, be. that would be amazing.
2: Or he could be a very hairy guy, and they just call him the Harry Potter.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. <laughs> that, that's messed up. I like Josh <laughs> just got one upped.
0: <laughs> He'd probably be de bomb. Oh, she got an extra life.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what is my green mushroom?
0: So I always wondered, in A Link to the Past, is it like, is the the hearts and stuff, are they inside the pots, or are they under the pots?
2: I always assumed they were inside the pots, because you don't see them when you lift them. You see them when you break them. At least in the later games.
1: That's true. the later games, yes, but in A Link to the Past, they're absolutely under the pots.
2: (sighs) That's only because the coders were limited in there. Yeah, Super Nintendo. Oh,
1: certainly, certainly.
0: But they're meant to be in the pots.
2: I think so. I, you, you know,
3: that race, a question: Why are so many people storing human hearts in their homes?
2: They're, they're not human hearts; they're just candy that give you health, and it makes it feel like it's a heart container.
0: So it's like Mario Party.
2: Yeah,
1: R- right. Sure. And I would, I would actually like to uh, point out another very lucrative career path in Hyrule would be landscaping, because you can mow <laughs> your grass. You can mow your grass and find anything under there.
0: <laughs> it, like it would be a metal detector person.
1: Absolutely, it would be more dangerous because sometimes there are explosives and hiding under the grass. But most of the time, you come out ahead. You, you, you get free hearts, you know, to refill or your. Or there art.
0: are holes. <laughs> you fall into a hole into a dungeon you can't get out of.
1: That that's also an assumed risk. So there'd be pretty high insurance costs for landscaping companies, but there's a lot of money to be made there.
3: Yeah, you're gonna have to pick up. Inescapable Dungeon Liability Coverage. I'm sorry, it's just, it's required for the industry.
0: <laughs> hashtag Inescapable Dungeon Insurance Coverage. <laughs> that may be too long
3: for a hashtag.
0: Probably. Just a little we bit. can do Dungeon Insurance.
3: Hey. Yeah, Yeah. that works.
0: <laughs> dungeon Insurance. But speaking of Dungeon Insurance, when you said you were going to do rule, my first thought was... I would make a lot of money as a therapist, and I would put my office outside of the water temple.
1: Oh my
2: god, yes.
0: <laughs> and I would um. make so much money. Uh, just come in, tell me your problems, come on in. Would you the... set it up like Lucy from Peanuts,
3: where it's just the little the doctor is inside, just right outside? Pretty much. Right outside
0: the water temple. And I'd have a soothing ocarina track in the background, like playing no. some ocarina in you.
2: Okay, so here's my question Is your. Is the therapy for the the frustratingness of getting through the Water Temple or for having to deal with uh, Princess Zora, who is insufferable?
0: Well, I would say both. Um, You have to charge extra if you're going to deal with both. But, yeah, why not? We're an all-inclusive therapy shop.
1: Absolutely. If you have
0: money, I have advice.
3: (laughs) I was trapped in there for 12 hours with Princess Zora. And how did that make you feel? (laughs)
2: Like going into a suicide booth.
1: That was
0: yeah. <laughs> what now? I'm what's... picturing Counselor Troy in Hyrule, which is also <laughs> fantastic. Oh,
2: oh, oh yes.
1: I, I actually, when, when when you said you were going to be a therapist, I thought of you setting up a, a, a little stand like uh, like Lucy from Charlie Brown has. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will say though, uh, they they make Princess Ruto a very redeemable character in Hyrule Warriors. If you guys ever played that back in 2014. Uh, they had the water temple in there, and Princess Ruda was a playable character, and she is actually pretty amazing in that game. Nice. Just a little sidebar.
2: Sweet. Oh, uh, I just want to go ahead and say, in case any fans get upset, yes, Ruda, Ruda is Ruda. R- Ruto. Ruto is her name. Sorry, I said Princess Zora. A new she, <laughs> she's the of <a> the race.
0: <laughs> so, would you, Callie, if you were living in Hyrule, would you rather be? A Link type going all over the place and having explorations but dealing with Ganon? A person, an NPC kind of character where you're in a village but relatively safe? Or in the royal line like a Zelda?
2: I would probably lean towards a non-playable character. Um, The problem with being Link or Zelda throughout the games, it seems like they're reincarnated. So their journey never ends. So you constantly have to live... Every couple hundred years, you have to go find each other, get all your memories back, and and go destroy the evil guy. But if you're a non playable character, it's kind of like you only live once type thing. So I'd mm-hmm. probably be either Oppona's um, dad because you get to be you get to deliver milk to the castle, and you get a, a kid who can ride and teach people how to ride horses. So why not? Um, but yeah, I'd probably lean towards a non playable character, someone who has a cool job where they get to. Go back and forth. They have access to the castle, but don't have to deal with, the, like, the
0: Makes sense to me. And we also have our first bleep of season two. Thank you, Callie. You're welcome. <laughs> I try. Uh, but you mentioned regeneration. And honestly, that's a fantastic segue. When you think of regeneration, you probably think of, well, one thing, hopefully, and that is artificial limbs. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you think of Doctor Who. And, Matt, I believe that is where you're going. Am I right? Uh,
3: that's where I'm going. And it's it, it, it's a pretty interesting universe because it's contiguous with our own, with the exception, of course, that, you know, a, a, a Scottish alien is president of Earth against his will. Better than and, Nixon. <laughs> and... The 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 thing with the Doctor Who universe that, that that makes it so interesting is that it's so much like our own world that and the the only real difference is you know the frequent alien invasions, which are regularly foiled by a guy who looks like us but you know has two hearts and is way way smarter than us. So you you've got you've got him running around in a box that's bigger on the inside with a screwdriver. You know, occasionally abducting early twenties British women and gallivanting about space with them. So I don't really see it changing much in my life because I'm not an early twenties uh, British woman. Or uh, so it. I don't know. I don't know if it would make much of a difference for me, other than you know the frequent alien invasions, which seem to be heavily concentrated on London so basically just stay out of London around
0: Christmas
3: and you're fine
0: and avoid statues Oh, don't don't get me started
2: <laughs> don't. and make sure you you keep a sharpie on you so you can keep track of all the times you saw the silence
0: yeah but of course you wouldn't know what they were
2: N- no but well, you would the, eventually the figure got out resolved.
3: the silence got that's resolved true. by their own subliminal messaging
0: that's true So honestly, Matt, if you're living in this universe, are you more scared of Daleks, angels, Cybermen, or are you more scared of what the Doctor might unintentionally do to Earth?
3: The the thing is, with, with, with the Doctor's unintentional consequences, he does tend to go back and fix those. He, he, do, he does take some good care on that the thing that would honestly scare me the most would probably be the uh, the weeping angels because once the angels have decided to come for you that's it you're not gonna you're not you're not gonna know they're coming and even if you do know they're coming okay all you can do is not blank so you know th- that means you're never sleeping again. And you're never going to be in a place with more than one entrance.
0: And I would tell our listeners who haven't watched Dr. Who to Google it, but if you see a picture of an angel, it's just as good as if you see an actual angel. Mm. uh, So you're screwed there, too. So please don't.
2: Yeah, but I'm going to have to disagree with you on that, Matt, because the consequence of getting touched by an angel, no pun intended, uh, (laughs) is that that you get sent back in time. You don't die. You just get sent back in time and have to relive. So. I mean, that would be kind of cool. You already know everything that's going to happen, so you can get rich by playing the stock market if you're if you're in, if like, 20s or something. If the stock market exists yet. <laughs> if it exists yet. Depending on how far back in time you go, you have some advantage because you might be aware of the history that's involved. They also, if I'm not mistaken, there's a, a limit to how far they can send you back depending on how much energy they currently have or they can pull from you. So I don't think it can be so far back that you – that like, I don't think they can go – back before we started the Gregorian calendar or anything like that. I don't think so. That's my theory. but And, but and honestly, different. in my, my yeah, profession but, you know. as an archivist, oh,
0: yeah. I'd probably be better off a couple, a couple like 20 or 30 years ago before the internet. Uh, so I'd have more, my, my job would have a little more sway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to go find an angel to send me back to the past.
2: Now, plus the doctor could probably come across you again at some point and bring you back if you really wanted to.
3: Yeah, and it's like, the thing is, if you get thrown into the past, you know, it, guess what? You're not going to see the new season of Who. No. <laughs> oh. Because they have established that you will die before you reach the point at which you were born. That's true.
2: Okay. So,
0: okay. I'm never going to get to find out who takes over after Capaldi. Which, spoiler be alert girl. here on B&Q, we know who the replacement is, and it is in fact someone mentioned already, it's Carrot Top. <laughs> Here at the top is the new doctor. I would actually like to see
3: Idris Elba. Ooh. Okay, I want I just want to see Idris Elba in pretty much everything, but
0: still. Honestly, I want to see one thing. Misa Doctor. I will uh, slap you. No. Uh, I, 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 I will slap you
3: so hard.
0: <laughs> Misa I Save Rose.
2: They just they should just bring back uh David Tennant, and I'll be happy. Yeah? I'm sure he misses it.
0: I've heard a fan theory saying that somehow Missy is going to regenerate into the Doctor played by Michelle Gomez.
2: Hmm. That would be interesting. Mm.
0: And do like a gender switch where the new Master is male but the new Doctor is woman, a woman. Hmm. And the Master might be played by Capaldi, which would be a very interesting... Because I think Missy is supposed to appear in the Doctor Who finale this year. So, I mean, I doubt very much they would go in that direction, but it would be interesting to see if they did. It would be one hell of a twist. I'll tell you that much. It would be. The other thing I've heard somebody say that Capaldi should regenerate into the first Doctor.
2: That would be interesting.
3: That would be kind of hard to do, seeing as how he's slightly dead.
0: Well, they would probably bring the guy that they had him like play him in the -the behind-the-scenes movie. I mean, I I doubt it, but again, who knows? The thing with Doctor Who is there's no rules for this stuff, so (laughs) it'd
2: be cool if he regenerated into Alex Kingston. So he would look like River Song, but he's still the Doctor.
0: I don't see why he couldn't. I mean, we have proof with Number Eight into War Doctor that he can, and with Capaldi that he can revisit other faces if he thinks they're important. Wait, I've got one. I've got one. What?
3: Tom Baker, because there's a reference to it in the 50th anniversary special. Yeah, there is. There is. A, there is a very clear reference to him in the future regenerating into the aging body of the fourth doctor.
0: I feel like mm-hmm. if they did Tom Baker though, it would have to be like one episode and done because he's not, he's in failing health. Uh, yeah. So like it, in the Christmas special, it could be Tom Baker and then it would be regenerated to whoever the new director is chosen. But who, who knows? But anyway, we're off topic on regeneration. Uh, it's what but we do. I think it would be an interesting universe to live in. I, and I, if for no other reason, we discussed last year that perhaps the best time machine in all of fiction is the TARDIS because it lets you go anywhere, any when. Period. And there are no restrictions on that. Plus, even though it's a fairly small ship on from the outside, from the inside, you could pretty much never leave your TARDIS and you'd be have a comfortable life. You could just explore the inside of that TARDIS And I honestly think the inside changes from time to time so you can never get bored exploring it. And we saw in that episode Journey to the Center of the TARDIS just how expansive the interior would be. So if you got your hands on one of those things, your life is set. You don't have to follow the same path as the Doctor and seek out danger. You can go seek out less dangerous things. You could go live on Risa if you wanted to for a couple hundred years and uh, hang out with a, a horny Riker.
3: If that was your choice. See, see, I was just going to be like, go to every taco truck, ever.
0: Yeah.
3: Okay. Uh, I I mean, you just, you you, want to bring that into it. Do I I detect a subtle Deadpool reference there? I just really like taco trucks. Okay.
0: You could go purchase a stock in IBM and then go sell it instantaneously. Good. 50 years later.
2: But you're assuming you have a TARDIS that isn't broken. Because the That's Doctor's true. TARDIS is broken and tends to go with what
1: she thinks is important.
0: That's true. You would need a non-sentient TARDIS. You
1: know, if I was going to use it to buy stock, though, I would I would go Enron. That's just me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's cold, dude.
1: Sa- Savage AF <laughs> Season 2, guys.
0: <laughs> An Enron reference for the win. Yeah, I would pick up you know,
3: board stock as part of the IPO, buy a controlling interest, and then come to today when the stock's worth like 200 some dollars a share and then sell my like 60% holding and just watch the company crash and burn while I walk away with billions of dollars because what can I say? I'm a
2: General Motors kind of guy.
0: <laughs> you make it rain. Okay. We're talking about rain from Mortal Kombat? <laughs> yes. Okay. This is not a universe we're visiting in this episode. One day, um, but one day we will visit that universe. One day when we have enough of a babality meter, Billy. Not today. Oh,
2: that would make a great baby announcement.
0: Right? <laughs> babality. Oh, <yeah. laughs> all right. Got you. It. Know, when, when I get a dog, I'm going to have an animality. I'm just going to put that out there. Nice. I mean, it's not a dragon. But anyway, m- moving on. Uh, <laughs> and now for something completely different.
3: It really is,
0: because the universe I'm bringing in, well, uh, it is topical in a way. They're, they love topical humor. Uh, but JP introduced an adult-oriented cartoon. I'm introducing a more adult-oriented cartoon uh, because It's South Park. Uh, you Bastards... We got to just talk about South Park. Um, Going down to South Park and meeting some friends of mine is a very dangerous life. Um, It can be. Because, yes, there are friendly faces everywhere, but there are also faces that are going to kill you. We're talking about a universe wherein, just to name a few, Iraqi terrorists electroshocked Santa Claus's testicles and killed Jesus Christ... (laughs) Woodland Christmas critters performed an abortion to make sure the Antichrist was successfully born. The, um, let's see, what else? Mr. Garrison became Mrs. Garrison became Mr. Garrison and caused some confusion. That's actually not that bad of a thing. (laughs) Uh, That's actually probably the best thing that we've had. Uh, But in that process, he decided to graft his genitalia onto a hamster, which probably wasn't a good idea. We have a little child named Kenny McCormick who dies and is resurrected every week. Did
2: they uh, ever so explain how we... he's resurrected?
0: Yes, they yes, did. actually, in the Mysterion trilogy, it's explained that it's his superpower—he is cursed to always—he cannot die. Period. He cannot die. He's always resurrected, and it always happens where his mother gives birth to him, and then he becomes fully grown up back to Kenny within the span of twenty-four hours. Wow. Um. So, imagine Mrs. McCormick's dismay in life. Oh. Uh, uh,
2: continual birth.
0: And Mr. McCormick's dismay at that as well. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Um, Barbara Streisand is a mecha Godzilla type creature that can destroy things in a single bound. Pokemon are a plot from the Japanese to reenact revenge for World War II. Uh, yeah, there's just so many things. ...that have gone wrong in the South Park universe, and yet, and yet... Oh, and by the way, you have a shitty wall uh, (laughs) around your town. (sighs) And I'm not bleeping that because it's actually city, uh, pronounced by the owner of shitty wall. Uh, (sighs) So there's so many things that are wrong in the South Park universe, and yet. Ultimately, you have children in Stan and Kyle who show that you can learn things on a daily basis... Trey Parker and Matt Stone have imbued that universe with their own strange ideas of what is and isn't right. They don't put up with BS. The characters of Stan and Kyle are the moral compass of humanity, and they're sort of like the chorus in an old Greek tragedy where they're going to be pointing out how ridiculous everyone else around them acts. Uh, So if you have the ability to be a Stan or a Kyle... Living in this universe might not be too bad. If you're a Kenny, you're never going to die, which we, we have debated if that's a good thing or a bad thing on being q but maybe that's your preference if you want uh, immortality in, in a very strange and destructive way. But also you're living in a world with Eric Cartman.
2: Respect my door tie.
0: Thank you, Callie. Uh, Eric Cartman, who... Once imprisoned Butters, Innocent Butters stops for ten days so he could get to Casa Bonita and made him believe the world had ended. Eric Cartman, who caused a war in the future because he wanted an early copy of the Nintendo Wii. And Eric Cartman, who killed the parents of Scott Tennerman and fed them to him in a chili because Scott Tenerman had sold him his pubes.
2: It's, that seems like
0: a just consequence, yeah. You're living with a murderous child. And that's not an exaggeration, it's like with Stuart Griffin, I mean, this guy is a, is a psychopath. And I feel like any universe with Eric Cartman is not safe, okay? No, uh, but the,
1: the, the best, uh, most just ending to Eric Cartman ever was the episode where he tried to compete in the Special Olympics as a ringer. Yes!
0: I also enjoy the episode where he has his own his amusement park because he inherits a million dollars. And by the end of the episode, it's all gone to hell for him.
1: Oh, of course. And
0: Kyle's like, there is a god. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. On the one hand, all the horrible stuff. But your life would never be boring in that little mountain town. That's for sure. You'd also never uh, get
3: anything done.
0: No, you wouldn't. <laughs> and it seems like the adults will never have to work. They just, you know... Find medicinal marijuana and go turn the internet on and off again and play ping pong with their giant uh, medically induced large balls.
1: I, I, think, uh, I think the only adult that really has any regular job is Officer Barberady, that poor man. And Chef. And Chef.
0: Oh, but Chef is gone now. Yeah. Yeah, poor Barberady. Which we can get into later. But yeah, Officer Barberady, uh talk about an incompetent cop stereotype. <laughs> Chicken lover,
1: and, and and of course Mr. Garrison and Mr. Mackey have regular jobs on the show too, but it doesn't really seem yes. like anyone else does.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Ooh, I mean, Eric, yeah. Eric Cartman's mom is well; her job is described as crack whore. Uh, so there you go. I don't think I'd want to live in South Park, but no. it'd be fun to try for a couple of days and see if I can hang it. It'd
2: be a nice amusement uh, park.
0: Exactly. (laughs) I feel like this is the kind of theme park people pay a lot of money to get into, but most people don't understand why they'd pay the money. Much like going to see Fifty Shades of Grey. (laughs) And now I'm picturing Fifty Shades of Cartman and I am ashamed. Good job.
1: Ugh. Crap. Let's move
0: on, please. Crab. Josh, you're, uh, JP, you're up next. Move on. Yeah, no more crap, people. Take us somewhere else. Anywhere else, please.
1: Uh, I don't know if you're going to like where I'm going, um, but I will gladly take you guys with me. Just picture you're going into work, walking into the building. It's just a regular Thursday. As you start taking the elevator up to your office on the 12th floor, it stops about halfway up and the power cuts out. No big deal. You're not that claustrophobic, so you just sit and wait for either someone to come get you or for the power to come back on. Then you notice that there is some um, odd-smelling gas filling up the elevator, and it it doesn't smell bad. In fact, take a few whiffs of it, and it actually smells kind of nice. It makes you feel pretty good. It even makes you giggle a little bit because you remembered that joke that your friend Jeff told at the party on Saturday. (laughs) And then it makes you laugh even harder because that was a pretty funny joke. Then you realize something, a little bit of concern sets in amidst this euphoria because you kind of can't stop laughing. I mean, the joke wasn't that funny, but why can't you stop laughing? And then it turns to panic as you realize that you literally can't stop laughing even to breathe. And there's not really much that can be said about that. The cops find your body a few hours later with a huge smile on your face and dried tears and pain in your eyes, which is the signature calling card of only one man. And that man is the Joker. So, citizens of Gotham live every day in constant fear of that or quite a variety of horrendous deaths, such as being encased in six inches of ice, Being beaten to death by random henchmen of, you know, the more mafioso supervillains that control Gotham. Uh, Not being able to solve one of Riddler's death traps, because let's face it, none of us are as smart as Bruce Wayne with that. Or, uh, I don't even want to talk about the Scarecrow's fear toxin, man. But last but not least, of course, Harley Quinn is out there, too. And she's she's a wild card herself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this, of course, only gets... This only worsens if you happen to be in a emergency responder-type field. But the question that I'm going to pose is, is it worth all of that to live in Gotham for the possibility of meeting Batman? Yes. Discuss. Hells to the no. Yes. <laughs> and, and
3: now, the, now here, here's a query for you. Which interpretation of Gotham are we going with? Are we going from, like... Golden Age comics, the Dark Knight series, Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond.
2: (laughs) What about about senseless? Or powerless, sorry. uh, For for
3: Batman the Animated Series, I think that actually wouldn't be that bad. Because in, in the Animated Series, the police are actually vaguely competent. And the people of the city, like the general populace, do in fact try to fight back, and they support the Batman. And he actually has some cooperation from not just the commissioner, you know, hiding out, but also from uh, Detective Bullock and a few other people within the police force. So I think it could be okay for the for the '90s Batman the animated series, but like Dark Knight, you know, the the Christopher Nolan trilogy, nah, man, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Not a chance well, I hell. would like the, the classic TV Adam West Batman because I've always wanted to live in a universe where sound effects show up as mani- physical manifestations when I hit something.
3: Oh, yeah, that, that, uh, that'll be great. You're walking down the street and suddenly you get busted in the face with an onomatopoeia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag
2: deadly onomatopoeia.
1: Julius Pepper sacks Matt Ryan and blam! Blam! <laughs> Where
0: are you in the hospital My today,
1: sir? Knocked unconscious. Oh, and imagine. You know, the
0: worst would be like if the PAL comes up and it has the jagged edge and somebody walks face first into it. It <laughs> would be like a Mortal Kombat fatality That's <laughs> by PAL signs. But would like they then get
2: their own. Yeah. But would they then get <laughs> their own sign for being impaled by a different bubble?
3: <laughs> yes. Can you, can you imagine that headstone
0: impaled, on, <laughs> impaled by onomatopoeia? The medical coding and billing industry <laughs> has to suck in Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah, blown up by a penguin bomb, by a Joker bomb, by a Scarecrow bomb, killed <laughs> by died of gas. Which that one? Of
3: comically oversized explosive device.
0: There's
2: um <laughs> there's actually an episode show on NBC now called Powerless, where they kind of explore like the everyday life of people who live in a superhero universe. And yes. you, there are some science, there are basically a couple of scientists who come up with solutions on how to, how to how to help people. So there's, there's like umbrellas that can, can, um, deflect falling rubble, or there's, um, sensors that can detect when a particular villain is coming near you. Um, just, just random stuff like, or gloves that can heat anything so that if you get frozen out of your car bec- from, from sub zero, um, then you can quickly <laughs> melt it and get on with your day. So, um, I, I think I I think it would be a good industry for innovators because you could come up you could come up with more solutions, you could come up with ways um to survive. At the same time it does suck for the people that have no money or or you could just live out of the big city. Like what is life like outside of Gotham, but still in the universe? Do you still have superheroes that save you or you is there anything threatening you or are you just kinda out of luck?
0: Well, presumably if you're in the D C universe, then yeah, because in DC Universe, you're dealing with Dark Darkseid, uh, um, Doomsday, Lex Luthor could be the president, which is probably what's actually going on in reality right now. Uh, um,
3: yeah, yeah, but he has better I mean,
0: hair. Yeah, yeah. For the DC Universe, you're dealing with villains all over, right, JP? I mean... Yeah. If If you leave Gotham, you might leave a few of those rogues, but... You're not going to have a free pass.
1: Yeah, you, you would leave a lot of the more twisted villains if you left Gotham, that's that's for sure. But no, there's nowhere where you're going to be completely safe from it, either.
0: Uh, by the way, when you mentioned Riddler Death Trap, I came up with a fan theory. Okay. Uh, Jigsaw from Saw is actually the Riddler as well.
1: I thought about that, too. Uh, I, when I was writing down my notes for this episode, I was thinking of that.
0: <laughs> he was the Riddler first and his traps at first weren't lethal, or at least were not as dangerous. But as he became older and not satisfied with the lot of people escaping from his traps, like Bruce Wayne, he made the traps more lethal as in, as in the Saw series.
1: The only reason why I didn't uh, immediately come up with that and, and introduce that when I was thinking about it before the show was because they are a little bit too different still. Um, with Jigsaw, the answer is literally right there. There's nothing to figure out and how to get out of it. It's, it's usually involves having to make some kind of personal sacrifice in order to escape the room alive. Or just to do something very undesirable. Whereas with the Riddler's Death Traps, there usually is a lot of figuring it out involved.
0: It's less sacrificial and more thought-
1: yes. thought-based. Yes, it is definitely more of a puzzle than the Jigsaw uh, challenges are.
0: True. True. And and Saw, most of the mind trips are the or the plot, not the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about the first Saw because it's the only one that I've seen all the way through that actually had a coherent story. Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that would be a universe I don't want to live in either. But, yeah, Gotham is, is a tough one. I mean, but, yes, to answer your question, meeting Bruce Wayne is pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that seems um, to be really the only positive right. that I had for going into Gotham. So if if, if living in Gotham has other positives, I, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on that.
0: Well, honestly, I think I'd be best friends with Oracle, so that might be kind of cool uh, too. Absolutely. Me. I mean, she is badass and, and, and a nerd. She would be a fan of B&Q. Certainly. Uh, but uh, still, not enough. Now,
2: are we meeting Bruce Wayne or Batman, and do we know either one of them are connected?
0: Good question. Uh, you, you wouldn't.
1: If you if, if you were a citizen of Gotham City, you would not. Okay. Fair.
0: Knowing my luck, I would meet Man Bat instead.
1: <laughs> or Robin. Which
0: one? Todd. Oh,
1: come on. They Jason said...
0: Todd right
3: after he dies. That's which one. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. You, you're the one oh, who man. finds Jason Todd. That That's what you get.
1: You finally get excited because there's a hostage situation going on with Penguin's Game, but then Nightwing shows up instead of Batman and saves you. Oh, <laughs> thanks, I guess.
3: Catwoman's having one of her good guy moments. It's just like, really, Selena?
0: <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, I, I don't think Gotham is a a spectacular place to live, but it's an interesting choice.
1: Personally, I I do think it's a legitimate question as to whether or not it's worth all of that living in fear for the possibility of seeing Batman.
0: It might be. It might be. We'll have to come back to that in the the show and see which of the eight we chose. Uh, Callie, I got a feeling that your next location is nothing like Gotham.
2: Oh, absolutely not. Um, So, (laughs) so, so Hyrule was my first choice, and I, I, I noticed while I was playing uh, Breath of the Wild that some of the gameplay was very similar to Lord of the Rings, and, and I started thinking, you know, uh, Middle-earth isn't too different from, from Hyrule. You, you, have, you have these magical creatures who have um, pretty good archery abilities. Um, they have pointy ears. you got a big open world. There's some random evil guy in a very dubious location. That you're you're not supposed to approach unless you're prepared. There's a pretty girl and a warrior dude who are are trying to save the planet. Um, and you have all these cool languages that people are speaking and different runes and and ancient ancient powers and languages that that um that help you on your journey. So I feel like Middle Earth would be, uh, assuming it's a peaceful time, would be a relatively good place to live. Particularly the shi- the Shire. Who doesn't want a round house um, with with all kinds of crazy great food and, and beer and, and wizard fireworks. Um, you just have to wait seventy-five years between each show. Uh,
0: sounds like Portland.
2: Yeah, pretty much. It's just like just like So Portland.
0: was
3: Chuck Norris like the lead architect for the Shire then?
2: <laughs> I was gonna say that
3: too, with a roundhouse.
2: <laughs> yes. He just throws a roundhouse and a
0: new Shire home is made.
3: Knew it. Knew
0: it. Yeah. He also, well, the one ring is, is uh, Chuck Norris's ring somehow, right? It's the only way it has all that power. Well, there's
2: that, but in Chuck Norris's world, you wouldn't have to make the Fellowship of the Ring to journey to Mordor. You he, he would just bring Mordor to you. You would stand still in the Earth would it <laughs> to you. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Middle-earth would be a great place to live. There's tons to do. There's tons of places to visit, um, tons of people to interact with. Not all of them want to kill you off offhand. Um, If you find the right people, you can be relatively safe and and live a good life. Um, There's also some magical journeys involved if you make friends with a wizard. So you could have a chance to win a lot of gold and destroy a dragon if you don't lose your head first or have to escape from a spider and and have to dream about that every night for the rest of your life. Um, Other than that, things are pretty good. Um, I think the only downsides, I mean, there's Mordor and Sauron, but if you're living post- Return of the King, life is good. Um, there's probably a lot of people who are constantly angry with the Eagles. They seem like they only show up um, well after the fact when they could have just skipped the whole goddamn series and, and just flew you to Mount to Mordor and let you drop the ring in and, and save the world a whole bunch of heartache and pain. Um, and then you, and then there's like, if you remember the part in uh, the the two towers, it would probably I think. I think one of the worst punishments would have to have a conversation with an ant and, and wait for them oh. to form a sentence. So, oh. so instead oh. of prison, you just kind of send people off to work in the, in the ant for forest and have to have conversations with them. Ouch. Yeah.
0: By the way, the only Eagles that are more useless than the Lord of the ring Eagles are the Philadelphia. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> savage AF in season two. <laughs> uh,
0: just saying, <sighs> They also were beaten by Giants.
2: Oh, my oh, God. My oh, oh.
0: I, I am so wow. sad I didn't think of that. Why's it got to be that way?
3: <laughs> <one>? Wow. <laughs> oh, we're, man. We're setting a pretty dark no, right. for the season here.
0: We are.
3: <laughs> I'm going to go listen to Q. It's wonderful and whimsical. And what am I listening to? <laughs>
0: It reminds me to, to use. I was doing research on my universe of South Park earlier today, and I watched the episode where it takes Jimmy an entire episode to sing one Christmas carol because of his stutter problem. And I think Uh-oh. talking to an int is worse than talking to Jimmy. Well, yeah. What about Jimmy
3: saying... talking to an ant?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the entire
3: twelve-hour extended cut of the Two Towers. Today, Jimmy gets a performance review from an
1: int. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it would take
1: forever. Tune in next week to find out whether or not Josh and Matt have indeed punched their tickets to hell.
3: (laughs) 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 Oh, that's been punched for a long time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You shall not... You you, you shall not...
2: My question for you guys is, which which of the races between elves, dwarves, orcs, hobbits... Rangers, who would you want to meet and hang out with the most?
0: Uh, dwarves.
2: Okay. Is it because of the gold or because of their, their camaraderie?
0: Their camaraderie. They're down to earth, and there's not much of an expectation. Like with an elf, I feel like you'd have to be like, you know, years, like, yes. yes I, I know the spells, Yes. I mean, obviously not, but you, you get what I'm saying. I mean, it's Orlando Bloom, and blonde Orlando Bloom. That, that's intimidating.
2: You mean Justin Timberlake, because – that's really just Dustin Timberlake in disguise.
0: Is that why they cry me a rumor? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is.
1: Well, um, I guess this is as uh, good as time as any to say that I, I actually would like to meet and hang out with the elves, personally. <laughs> so, But I don't really have any legs to stand on at this point, so next.
0: All things considered, though, I feel like Middle-earth isn't a bad choice, especially post-Sauron. Mm-hmm. I mean, I personally like air conditioning. Of course. But it's it's not a bad place, all things considered. It's it's kind of like living in the, I don't know, the 10th century, but with a lot cooler, you know, different kinds of people and creatures yeah. and such.
2: Yeah, but I mean, if you dig your, your hobbit hole low enough, you can be pretty cool.
0: And you get to talk to a dragon that's voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch, which is, I mean, that's already, that's the best thing ever, so. Yeah, but I mean... Even though it is
3: cucumber wrinkle hat, I just—it's <laughs> still a dragon. And do you really want to mess with? in the you don't meddle in the affairs of dragons. We're crunchy and taste good with ketchup.
2: Well, you, why do you need ketchup? <laughs> you,
0: you don't question me some dragons. Some dragons are on the Atkins diet. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Smog is on Paleo. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Paleo
2: Smaug is a hashtag. I don't know. I, I enjoy listening to Sherlock and and Mr. Dr. Watson go back and forth in a cave.
0: I believe that, Matt, you have another gaming universe, but you said it's nothing like Hyrule.
3: <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> Only totally completely different. I'm, I'm going to have to ask you, Josh, to set a ground rule on this one. Okay. So, so that I because this is the only way I'll be able to make my determination as whether or not I would want to live there. But it's the universe of Grand Theft Auto, and yeah, you know, they've they've got the cities. They have in Five Slash Online. They have Los Santos in San Andreas County, which is you know clearly a send up of Los Angeles City and County, and they've got Vice City, which is Miami, and you know so on and so forth. But it, if you're – and uh, Rachel and I both, both play Grand Theft Auto Online, and if you, if you get to be, like, the, the player character in Online, it would be kind of amazing because you're more or less a demigod when you, when you really think about it. Because if you get killed, you just reappear five seconds later a block away. Hmm. And, yeah, your clothes will get kind of bloody, but as long as you take a shower, they'll wash themselves and somehow, you know, be repaired, which I'm really going to not think too deeply about because that's going to have some seriously weird implications about the tailoring industry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in Saints Row, which is a GTA send-up in a way, you can actually go have your face redesigned. Yeah, you
3: can can do that in GTA Online. It costs $100,000.
0: Wow. I guess that's the cost for a real-life plastic surgery like that. I, I've never really for, checked. For
3: total reconstruction to the point where no one can actually even tell it's fake, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, John Travolta would know. I mean, Face Off is a great documentary. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. That being said, like, if you're an NPC, it would
3: be absolutely horrific to live there because there's just, like, open openly operating crime syndicates and corrupt cops (laughs) and the FBI and CIA are running actual literal proxy wars over funding they're operating actual proxy wars against fellow intelligence agencies over funding so the question is how much funding are they getting that they can afford to have a proxy war to get more funding At at what point does the cost that way the benefit here it's like you could just be basically killed by somebody in a supercar going down the sidewalk at 140 miles an hour. You're just out for your morning coffee. Bam, dead. When I
0: play GTA, I feel like it's what would happen if the United States culturally had the government and structure politically of Somalia. Yeah. I mean, it's complete failed state. Every warlord is out for himself, and there's really no repercussions for doing anything wrong, if you can, if you can run away, they're not going to come arrest you later. They'll just forget about it because they can't focus on it because there's other criminals to, t- to worry about.
3: And they don't even bother writing so it down apparently because, like, if you're I good at hide and go seek, play, like, whatever.
0: <laughs> exactly. If you're good in hide and go seek, you can do pretty much whatever the hell you want.
3: Oh, and can I just say how amazing the mechanics are in that game? It's like, I, I then this and. I'm going to finally explain my uh, Twitter profile picture that uh, some I'm of done. some of our uh, listeners may have seen. It's a picture of the uh, class Granger in Grand Theft Auto all smashed up. I was running for half an hour with a five-star wanted level in GTA Online and managed to survive it by hiding in a train tunnel in my car, which was then hit by a train. So I took a... <laughs> so I took a... After I somehow limped that thing back to a city street, I took a screenshot of it because I knew no one would ever believe me. And that is how I got my Twitter
0: picture. I used to be a criminal like you, but then I took a train to the SUV. Exactly. (laughs) Is train to the SUV going to be a hashtag today? It might be.
3: (laughs) I'd be a little dark, but you know, it's GTA, so everything...
0: GTA is, by definition, dark. The good thing with GTA is you have awesome sounds, like awesome soundtracks in your car. Yes. The radio is on point.
3: Yes, it is.
0: Which is something, you know? So you get to be resurrected from the dead. You don't stay dead. You have awesome music, potentially 80s music. You can be a demigod if you're the player character.
3: Yes. If you're an NPC, you are
0: jacked. You are screwed. Oh, yes. But, yeah, GTA is dark. But you know what? I think I'm going to go even a little bit darker for my last one. How
3: dark is
0: yeah. it? Well, it's so dark that you're going to have to light a fire. A fire that is approximately 451 degrees. That's Hopefully better.
2: Celsius and not Fahrenheit. Uh,
0: so we haven't done in this series yet of universes a universe based on books and I wanted to bring in one based on books, and I thought there's a lot of different nominees that I was considering. I was I considered Stephen King's The Stand. I considered Eon by Greg Bear, But honestly, I have a reason for picking it. I decided to go with Ray Bradbury's classic Fahrenheit 451. Dystopian literature is the fastest-selling genre since November 2016. Uh, 1984 is actually on the bestseller list again, yeah. but honestly, I think Fahrenheit 451 is a more interesting book to look at. For this reason, Fahrenheit 451, for those of you that haven't read it in your high school classes, uh, by Ray Bradbury is essentially the story of a culture where all the information you get is created on a screen in your in your house. It's essentially television, but we can, look, we can extrapolate it to the internet and it's taken over all of information. And information in books, factual information, real information, is burned. And any sort of book is an illicit, it, it, it's, it's as illegal to own a book as it is to own crack. Perhaps it's even worse. The main character is uh, Guy Montag and his job is a fireman, but he's not a firefighter. He is a fireman because he starts the fires that burns the books. They essentially are the equivalent of the Gestapo finding illicit material, anything, any sort of published material. And I was thinking about what it would be like to live in a universe where there is no, um, you know, where the, the first line is, it's a pleasure to burn, where there's no reverence for fact. And I realize we already do. We live in a society that has a pyromania on fact. We, as nerds, the we have a certain affinity with trivia. We all do. But trivia is trivia only because it's for relatively mundane things. You know, you can say you know the lifespan of a stegosaurus, something like that, it doesn't really matter. Stegosaurus,
3: best source
0: Exactly, but it's a fact. But there are other things that facts are more relevant on. So I would say we as nerds actually have an affinity for facts and for rational thinking. And as much as we like living in our fantasy worlds, like we've had this entire episode, we have to stand up for facts. Preach! Because we as we as nerds believe that science is a thing. We, we explore all these universes that are based on science fiction because at bare bones they're based on science and we know that fantasy is a love, loving genre because it is a fantasy. It's not true. And Fahrenheit 451 is about what happens when television, and it's in this case, but in our society, when other things can supplant fact. In a recent poll, 26% of Americans supported the idea to bomb I'm uh, Sorry, not Dageba, Agraba. the city on Aladdin that doesn't exist. We have become a post-fact society. We are in Fahrenheit 451, even though we're not burning books. We're burning facts on a daily basis, creating alternate facts. We, as the nerd community, have to stand up for truth. And I'm not saying this is a political statement of left versus right. It is okay and encouraged to disagree about economic policy or foreign policy. That is what makes a democracy work. But when you cannot have people agreeing on basic facts, when you can no longer agree that evolution is a fact, gravity is a fact, computing is a fact, and climate change is a damn fact, we're screwed. So living in Fahrenheit 451, that was my submission, but I'm going to take it out because it's not a dream anymore. We do live in it, and it sucks. And that's all I got to say about that.
2: Should I call you Reverend Dr. Hager now?
0: You might. <laughs> Sorry, I, it's, it's, I've been building that for a long time, and I feel like we as nerds have a special obligation to stand up for fact. I mean, we have to, and I think it's it's needed in, in this day and age. And I, I will say I trust you listeners with saying, saying things like this because throughout the first season of B&Q, when you've told, sent us feedback, yes, you, you laugh along with us, but you really enjoy the episodes where we make you think. We as a podcast, we're in a, a unique area for nerd podcasts where we focus just as much on thought-provoking topics as we do on fun and laughing and silliness. And I felt like you as a BNQ and q audience, you totally probably agree with me, and maybe you didn't think of it in this way, but don't think of it... And the reason I wanted to say that it's Fahrenheit 451 and not 1984... In 1984, at the last sentence, the main character succumbs. As in *Chain of Command*, the episode from TNG, he starts believing in the lie that there. He starts believing in the and Big Brother is telling him. In *Fahrenheit 451*, Guy Montag sees the error of his ways, sees that being a fireman is wrong, leaves the city, finds people who are like-minded who read classical mythology and books and histories, and they go back to the city. And the book ends with th- these people going back to the city to try to reclaim humanity. It is an ends on a note of hope. It is no longer a pleasure to burn. We cannot have a pyromania effect. It is a pleasure to learn. And that's what we should be focusing on as a human race. So that's why I chose that book. It is what it is. Sorry, guys, to go dark a little bit. But it has a nice light at the end of the tunnel.
1: Absolutely. I, I'm at a loss of words, man. I didn't see that coming at all.
0: <laughs> sorry if I... Uh,
1: Don't if be I sorry. any of
0: our listeners. Don't be sorry. Um, but I felt like this needed to be said. Uh, so Just
3: doling out the harshness. Yeah,
0: exactly. Savage, but it has a point. <laughs> uh, so excluding Fairnight 451, because obviously... There are seven other universes that have been introduced in this episode. Of those seven, the four of us could collectively choose to live in New New York, Gotham City, South Park, Hyrule, Middle Earth, on board the TARDIS, or in GTA in San Andreas. Which one is your new residency? I'll start with JP.
1: Well... I I came into this thinking uh, there's no way that I would ever want to be anywhere other than new New York. But then we we got to talking, Callie pled a pretty good case for high and you know what? I I think I will uh gladly move into high start a landscaping business and <laughs> r- really really <laughs> worry about how I'm going to pay that dungeon insurance.
0: <laughs> nice. I like it, Matt. Will you be joining JP in High
3: Yeah, You know, I I I came into the episode with with my own preconceived notions, and I thought I was, you know, looking at the list. I thought, well, there's no way I'm not going to go with Doctor Who because Tardis, duh. But I I'm going to have to agree with JP. I I think the cases that have been made. While I would like to live. While I like the idea of living in Grand Theft Auto uh, universe as a player character, I think there's too many moral qualms for me. I I think there'd be too many moral issues for me. So, yeah. Uh, JP, do you need somebody to help you run your uh, Hylian landscaping business?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Always looking for a good pair of hands. But you, you could, you could also be the, uh, the, the Potter of Hyrule as well.
3: Oh, I, I oh, trust <laughs> me, I am definitely going to, to open and franchise out a, uh, a pottery network. <laughs> <laughs> pottery and landscaping swords.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Callie, is it going to be three for three? Are you going to be in Hyrule as well? This is going
2: to be awkward. So, I actually. Um, Wanted to present the Doctor Who universe as as my universe. That was my top pick, but somebody beat me to the punch. So, um, I actually <laughs> right would prefer. Yeah, I would prefer to live on the TARDIS. Um, I have this weird girl crush on River Song, so I would just kind of just hang out there and hope for her to come on board any given day. I would I would spend my life on the TARDIS for one day with River Song.
0: That's not wrong at all.
2: Uh. If it's wrong, I don't want to be right.
0: you can go go kill Hitler together if you want oh Uh, good get in the cupboard Hitler
2: (laughs) we be the man in high TARDIS
0: oh Oh, nice well done now where would I live of the the seven we know South Park Uh, let's see well (laughs) it'd be kind of interesting uh, especially if I was um, if I was with the crab people I could do some damage in South Park but I mean, being or that might not be a bad idea. I love the idea of having the demigod powers of GTA. That is a nice one. Honestly, though, I I might go with living in New New York. Uh, As much as I love Doctor Who, I feel like there are less existential threats to my life in New New York as long as I live the right way and just don't go outside when Santa Claus comes and when the other aliens come. I could go to other planets pretty easily, I could, as a historian, I could actually talk to people I've studied, which is pretty awesome. It would
3: it a, uh, a lot easier to write.
0: Yeah. It would. And, you know, I, I could see myself being friends with Zoidberg, even though it's a, you know... and Plus, I think Bender might be the best wingman <laughs> ever, you know, ever. Uh, because, besides, he can hold his liquor like nobody else, literally. Yeah. Uh, So I think I might go with New New York. But I think any of the seven would pose interesting challenges and risks, which is why, loyal listeners, I want you to tell us which one of the seven you would most want to live in or none of the above. Or, you know, uh, if you have thoughts on my diatribe from a few minutes ago or anything else that was said in this episode, please send us feedback. Our email address is still bnqfeedback at gmail.com. Or you can send us a tweet, which is at v q Podcast on Twitter. If you're not following us there yet and you are active on the tweet, on the tweeter, uh, please uh, follow us there. We would love to have you. So, I believe that is the end of our premiere of Season 2. Is it? So, for Matt, JP, Callie, and Josh, I say thank you. And Matt, I believe we have one piece of business that still, of course, will happen every episode this season.
3: That's right, Josh, because, you see, here at Big Nerdy Questions, the biggest, nerdiest question of them all that must be answered every episode is how did Jar Jar die today? And today, the Fellowship of the Ring came together, and in a scene cut from from Return of the King, as they cast the One Ring into Mount Doom, Gandalf, in a moment of quick thinking, grabbed Jar Jar by his left ear and used a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu move to flip him in over the ring to ensure that it would go down into the lava.
0: <laughs> Misa precious. Of, of
1: course, uh, real quick, uh, his mother will give birth to another Jar Jar and he'll be ready to go <laughs> tomorrow all over again. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> oh my Malibu
2: god, they killed Jar Jar! Forever.
0: You bastard! They killed
2: Jar Jar, you heroes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but remember this, folks. And we leave you with this final thought. One does not simply kill Jar Jar Bain. Good night.